Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Probably the very best way to teach is to find the truth that you want to teach and put it with an image, an illustration, a story. And by putting those together, we connect them in a way that makes it easier to remember. We might recall the story and then think of the point. Jesus spoke in parables. The word parable is a word that means to throw alongside of. And so what Jesus did was to take something from their experience of life and to throw alongside it an eternal truth. So that while they were doing life, while they were living and just going about their daily routines and they would come across one of those images, it could remind them of the eternal truth that Jesus presented. It is powerful, these parables. There's great power in the parables, even though they seem to be so simple. I want to find 12. I want to find 12 of those parables this year and just look at the power in these simple parables. I put out on Realm that I'm looking for your favorite parable. So if you haven't responded and you would like to, I'd encourage you today to do so. And I'm going to take from that list 12 of them. And we're going to consider this year these powerful parables and what they tell us, what God wants us to know. Think with me, if you will, first. Introducing this entire thing, let's ask the question, why would Jesus speak in parables? Turn, if you will, to the text before us. In Matthew chapter 13, we're also going to use the Mark 4 passage in a moment. But in Matthew th chapter 13, we learn about why Jesus used parables. In the first place, let me suggest to you that he used the parables not for the people. That is they were unable to understand some things. Look at verse 10. Why do you speak to them in parables? Because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him will be given more, and he'll have an abundance. But whoever has not will be taken away from even that which he has. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, and do not understand. Jesus said this is not for the people. 
Now, it sounds like these parables would be perfect for them, but really it wasn't. Yes, they would remember the image. Yes, they would hear the story, and they might remember what it was that Jesus put with it. But those people, he said, didn't want to hear. Remember this. Multitudes of people followed him around while he was preaching and teaching these parables. But by the time that he was crucified, there were only 120 disciples left. He's right. They didn't want to see. They didn't want to hear. Now the ones, those 120... When they heard the parables, they figured it out because there's something there. But they didn't want to. Number two, he did it for prophecy. He was fulfilling prophecy starting in verse number 14. Isaiah the prophet said, Hearing you will hear and and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive The hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. By prophecy, Jesus was going to teach in parables. But number three, he did it to prepare his apostles. Look at verse 16. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see the things that you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus spoke in parables Because the parables revealed the hearts of the people who were listening. If you want to get the message, you'll get it. If you don't, you'll miss it. And Jesus was preparing those disciples who wanted to know. So in the first place, Jesus spoke in parables because it was prophesied to teach and prepare his people. Number two, it is interesting in the parable that he told here in Mark chapter 4, this text about the growing seed. It's another one of those places where uh, there was this little verse or part of a verse that I just stumbled across and heard it maybe for the first time. Did you catch it? When he plants the seed, it grows and it says, He himself does not know how. It's amazing. The process of seed growth is amazing. God prepared it that way. God created it that way. God made the soil to hold the seed for it to grow. That soil is a perfect place. And God created the soil to grow the seed. Psalm 104, 
in Psalm 85. God said, this sprouts of its own. That's just what happens. The soil takes care of the seed. The water causes the seed to germinate. The water acts on that seed in a way to create a process so that the seed will sprout and grow roots into the soil and then grow up and become a plant from a small little seed. And the seed itself had its own life and power within it. In Genesis 1, when God created all that it was that was created, God said He put the fruit-bearing trees and all of the plants and their seed within them. There's something special about a seed. I remember reading a story about archaeologists in Egypt going inside one of the pyramids of one of the pharaohs. It was there that they found corn that had been stored with the pharaoh when he was buried there. Of course, you know, the concept behind that was they would take that great man, put him inside the pyramid, and they gave him, left with him, everything he would need in the afterlife. Thousands of years later, they took some of that corn seed and they planted it. What do you think happened? Corn. The power is in the seed. And after thousands of years, it still had the power. That power did not change. And they grew corn from ancient Egypt because of God's Creative power. God made the seed to grow. But now consider, if you will, this parable. Turn to Mark chapter 4. In the parable before us, I want you to think with me about what's going on here. Number one, this parable is a kingdom parable. There are about 38 or 39, depending on one, they, in a list that I saw, had a parable that I don't think is a parable, and another one that I don't think is a parable. So 37, 38, 39 parables and 12 of them are specified by Jesus as kingdom parables. These 12 parables say, here is truth about the kingdom of God. It's probably true that they all are connected to the kingdom because in Matthew 13, 
Jesus says that it's the mysteries of the kingdom that are being revealed inside of the parables. But this kingdom parable tells us something that God wants us to know about seed planting and seed growth. Mark chapter 4. The kingdom of heaven is as if. Now you have to watch the terminology here. What is he saying is the kingdom? What's he talking about? What he's not talking about, the kingdom of heaven is the man. That's not the point. But the kingdom of heaven is everything that he is about to say concerning this growing seed. And everything that happens, everything that's going to happen, he is putting in and he's saying, this is like the kingdom of heaven. So what happens? Well, he goes out and he scatters his seed. As they would do in those times, they would carry with them a big sack and they would broadcast by their hands, throwing the seed out into the field. You know well the story, the parable about the sower, different types of soil. But in this case, he's talking about the seed that he scattered on the ground, and then he just left it. The concept of the parable is this. Here is a man who has planted his field. And he's going out and he's going to get it all done, get it all set up the way that he wants it. And then what does he do? He simply goes and takes a nap. Or he goes to sleep at night. The power of the parable is in the process of the growing seed. He does not need to be concerned because the power of the seed is real. And he puts the seed out there and then he goes to sleep because he can leave it there. He knows the power of the seed. He knows that it will do his job. He knows that this seed will work. He doesn't concern himself with it. It's going to sprout and it's going to grow. But notice, he does not know how. Luke 8 tells us that the seed in a spiritual sense is the Word of God. The kingdom is like a man spreading the Word of God. And then... He goes to bed. He goes to sleep. Because the seed works. It does what it's intended to do. Number two, there is a mysterious thing that happens that he does not know. He does not understand. And he says, but it will happen. It grows the mystery of the seed growing. Isn't it fascinating 
that you can have that little seed, whatever it is, and think to yourself, inside this covering is power. Inside this covering is something mysterious. We can describe it. Scientifically, we can say this happens, then this happens, and then this happens. But how can we know what really goes on? God put the power in the seed. Paul, in talking about preaching the gospel, he said in 1 Corinthians, I planted, chapter 3, verse 6, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. I don't know how that seed mysteriously works in the hearts of any single person who hears it. We don't know how it is that the Spirit of God with the Word of God combines to work in the lives of someone or some people. But it's a mysterious thing. He does not know how it works, but it works. And as Jesus is giving us this concept, he is saying to us, it'll work. You just spread the seed and it will work. Because number three, it will bring growth. There's a famous passage in Isaiah 55. As the rain comes down from heaven and the snow and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth bud, may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So my word, which shall go forth from my mouth, shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. God said, my word will do what I send it out to do. It will not return void. Oh, I know there are many times that the word of God is preached to someone and no response is given. Nobody says, I want it and I take it and I use it. But God says, my word does not return to me void. When he sends it out, he gets something from it. Finally, in Mark chapter 4, in the parable, when the grain ripens, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Then comes the harvest. You are not redeemed with corruptible things, but incorruptible by the incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God, 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23. You've been redeemed through the seed or the Word of God. The seed planted in your heart made a difference. And Jesus, in this parable, is planting the seed in their hearts. 
Granted, it didn't harvest much for a while, but finally, in Acts 2, when they, those people who had heard him preach and teach, who heard the parables, 3,000 of them did take it to heart. God's word does not return to him void. And there is a harvest. We are people of the harvest. We have heard the word. The seed has been planted in our hearts. And it brought about a change. It gave something back to God. A couple of things I want you to take away from this concept of the parable. A couple of things that tell us we need to take something and use this seed. Number one, here's the point. Trust the seed. Trust it. This spring, many of us are going to plant seed. And we're going to expect that something's going to come from it. We can trust it. We believe in the seed. This is God's Word. Believe in the seed. Trust it. Spread it and let it work. It may not have immediate effect or immediate results, but it will work. So scatter the seed. And number two, grow the seed in your heart. Let it take up residence. Let it find a place in your heart and mind through reading Scripture, through being involved in Bible class. Have a curiosity for the Word of God. Enjoy learning, deepening, broadening your perspective. I got to tell you, that was powerful what Steve did today. I've never seen that before. I think that is just so cool to see that kind of power in the Word of God. And the more you dig and the more you want to know, the more you're going to find. And when we have the Word of God powerfully in our hearts, we become stable. And that Word can make us flourish. Jesus talked about a growing seed Inside of every single person in this room right now, there's a growing seed. I hope you're watering it. I hope you're caring for it. I hope you're wanting it to grow. Tonight we're going to discuss how do you grow a seed? You have it. It's been planted in you. Now let us determine that we want to grow that seed together. But for today, trust the seed. Whenever you have a problem, trust the seed. When you're looking for an answer to something, trust the seed. When you're excited and you just want to say something wonderful and great to God, trust the seed. That's what Jesus was doing with this parable. He's growing it in their presence, and He's growing it in us. Today, I hope the seed is planted in you to the degree that you want to follow it. I know 
that if you've not obeyed the gospel, I know that if you're not a child of God, having been immersed into Jesus Christ, I know that you know that you should. I know that seed has been planted. Wouldn't you want to do it? Or maybe I, you need the help of this church to grow the seed more properly. If we can help you today, let the seed grow in your heart and mind to respond in whatever way you need as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.